Good morning. Danny was asking if everybody's glad that summer's over and school's starting. I asked my grandkids last weekend, too. We were all together for our first grandchild's wedding, and uh, so we had all our grandkids around us, so I asked several of them the same question. Are you glad you're going back to school soon? Not one of them wanted to go back to school. They're still enjoying their summer, and I hope you are, too. Uh, we're, we're still enjoying our summer. We're actually camped at Lake Adam as we speak. Our trailer's still there, so we're heading back there today and coming back tomorrow. It's been a, it's been a great summer, a lot of uh, amazing things. You were asking what we were thankful for. Uh, yeah, I should have spoken up too, and I can say it now, that our, ver- our first grandson is now married, and uh, it was a very emotional uh, experience for us uh, when Brody read uh, his vows to Tracy both his twin brother and his younger brother were in tears so it was, it was very special and the, uh, the uh, pastor that officiated their wedding was uh, Steve Zacharias who many of you know he's spoken in our, in our church here he used to work for Children's Camps International he's the youth pastor now at the Grace Church has known Tracy and Brody for a long time, so it was natural that he would officiate. So it was, it was just a, an amazing day for us. <clears throat> uh, if uh, you're not, I'm talking to the kids now, if you're not happy that school is starting, uh, let me say this to you. I had to think back over my school experiences when I was younger, and I'll say more about that later, but... Uh, these are some of the best, whether you like to go back to school or not, these are some of the best years of your life, believe it or not. <laughs> Things might get rougher. Uh, so I would just like to encourage you uh, that go and learn all you can, make the best of your time at school, do your work to the best of your ability. You will be glad you did, okay? That's just my encouragement to you. And we're also, as was already mentioned, we're starting our, our Sunday school year. And uh, I think we ought to feel really blessed in this congregation that we have Sunday school classes for all ages. Not all, Sundays, not all churches have what we have. And I'd like to publicly thank Jackie for her, all her planning and organization and uh, thank all the... Uh, my fellow Sunday school teachers for their willingness to teach a class. So I think it's a real blessing. And I, as I was thinking about that, it was kind of led me into what I wanted to say this morning, thinking back on, uh, on my youth and uh, some of the memories of Sunday school even. And I can remember way back, and I've shared this story before, uh, when I was, I would say, about eight years old in a little, a little square classroom in a tiny country church, and the teacher taught us from, uh, from the Psalms, and she came upon this, this verse that she stressed for us, O taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think I've told you this before. She brought in a pitcher of cold water and, and some drink mix, bright red drink mix, and she mixed it up for us. She gave us all a little cup and asked us to drink it and tell us what we thought of it, and it was good. And then she read this verse, O taste and see. 
that the Lord is good. And that memory, <coughs> excuse me, those kind of memories have, have stuck with me all these years. And I remember further on, I was paging through an old Bible of mine, and I came upon something I had scribbled in the margin of the Bible. And at age 16, I received, as some of our kids will shortly, uh, I received a Bible from the Sunday school at age 16. And uh, I think it was kind of like graduating from Sunday school at age 16. I mean, you don't even know it. why at age 16. I can't remember that part. But uh, as Psalm 119, the first 22 verses were highlighted for me at that time at 16 years of age. And I'll say more, more about that later. So I'd like to encourage you, if I can, put a plug in for the Sunday School. Avail yourself of Sunday School. There's classes for all ages. We'd love to see you come. What I want to talk about is the importance of knowing God's work, or God's Word, I'm sorry. The importance of knowing God's Word. To know God, someone has said, we have to read his book. When I read an author's book, it tells me a lot about the author. And to know God, I have to read his book. And to know his word can make a great difference in our lives. In many cases, we hear children are being raised by the book, right? It's not always the right book, by the way. About a week ago, this is crazy, you'll you'll think I'm losing it now, but I'll I'll share it with you anyway. But I was thinking about about, uh, this message that I was to bring this Sunday morning. I think I was dreaming. It was early in the morning. And I had this dream and it woke me up. And I continued to think about what, what was it I was dreaming about? And I guess when you're, when you're planning something and this is on your mind, like the message was on my mind before I fell asleep the night before, I thought, you know, sometimes they say what, what you think about uh, before you go to sleep will sometimes come, to you, come back to you in a dream or there's a connection to your, your dream as a connection to what you've been thinking about. And I think that's what happened to me. And I had a dream that I got, I got a letter in the post office and I, I pulled it out of the box, and I noticed that the return address was heaven. I got a letter from God. Crazy dream. I'm sorry, but it just happened. And, uh, and then I woke up, and I, I continued to think, well, that, that, was a, that was a crazy dream. Why would I dream something like that? But like I say, it was probably had been on my mind, that message that I was preparing and here I had a letter from God, and then I started to think, now, if this was really, if this really should happen, I go to the post office, and I open the box, and there's a letter, and I, I see by the return address that it's a letter from God. What do I do with this letter now? I go to the desk, tell the postmaster, sorry, this must have got in the wrong box. Somebody had the wrong address. This, this probably is not my letter. That's one option. I could... There's a garbage can just outside the post office. I could, as I leave, I could maybe just drop it in there because it, this just doesn't make sense. It's, it's too ridiculous. So that's another option. Or I could, out of maybe just out of curiosity, I could open the letter and read what it says, right? You know where I'm going with this? 
I got a letter from God. I'm opening it. What do I do with it now? If you got a letter from God at the post office tomorrow morning, well, there's no mail tomorrow morning, but Tuesday, let's say. Uh, if you got a letter, what would you do? Read it? And then what would you do? Would you keep it quiet? Or would you share it? Would you say, guess what? First person on the street, guess what? I got a letter from God, and this is what it said. Now you know where I'm going, right? We live in an age of unprecedented access to information. We can turn on our radios, our TVs, we can buy a magazine, we can buy a newspaper, we can go on the internet, we can go on our not-so-smartphones, whatever we want to do, and we can get so much information. We, we know a lot of stuff. We even know a lot of stuff that isn't so, right? Uh, fake news, thanks to Donald Trump. We know a lot of stuff that isn't even true. Access to information, we have so much. Read about a guy recently that put an ad in the paper for sale, set of encyclopedia, no longer needed, my wife knows everything. <laughs> you like that, don't you? you could, the, the women could turn that around too, couldn't they? I sometimes if, I wonder if we're not suffering from information overload. Sometimes I think, uh, well, they say it is a bad idea to especially watch the news before you go to bed because it's usually quite depressing. And uh, at my age, uh, you rarely sleep through the night. So middle of the night, I wake up 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm just wide awake, ready to go. Can't get back to sleep. So usually what I've done, I don't want to wake Susie up, so I will go downstairs and turn on the TV quietly and watch TV. And, uh, and there's nothing worth watching, of course. But anyway, I, uh, I decided one time, I, I was picking up back to the Bible's uh, magazine, and I noticed the, the reading through the Bible schedule there in their magazine. That was back in beginning of November now. And uh, I thought to myself, I've read through the Bible before, but it's been a while since I've read through the Bible. And I thought back in November, then when I saw that, Schedule. I said to myself, wouldn't it be worth more or better use of my time at night when I'm wide awake to maybe read through my Bible and try and find something decent on TV, which I usually don't find? So back in November, I started reading through the Bible, and I haven't fallen behind, so I've got September and October left, and I'm done again. And the, the year has just flown by. Uh, I think reading through the Bible in a year makes the years go even faster, so I don't know if that's a good idea or not, but, but uh, that's what I've been doing. And, and all of this, all of these experiences that I've had of late uh, led me to what I want to say here this morning. <clears throat> we are filling our minds uh, with, with stuff, sometimes un- unwittingly, Maybe we don't want to, but it's there. We hear it, whether we turn on the TV or not. Uh, it's, we're bombarded with stuff, right? We hear everything. We're filling our minds with trivia, even garbage sometimes, at the expense of learning the basics, those things that so, con- 
that are, uh, are worthwhile and so central to successful living. Years ago, a book by Robert Fulgham became a number one bestseller, and the book was called, excuse me, I have a bit of allergies, so my nose keeps driven. All I really needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. Anybody read that book? That's many years ago now? Yeah? Good. <laughs> These are some of the things he learned in kindergarten, and he says in Sunday school as well. First thing, share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't let things that aren't, don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands and stick together. And lastly, be aware of wonder. There you have it. Lots of good stuff there. In those few short lines, you have the golden rule. Thoughts on love, basic sanitation, ecology, politics, equality, and sane living. Turn in your Bibles again now before we get started to 2 Timothy. That was read for us earlier. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14, from verse 14 to chapter 4, verse 4. And I'd like to say this. Um, Stay, as my first point, stay with the word of God. Verse 14 and 15. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Stick with the word of God. Stay with the word of God. What's on your mind this morning? I've talked a lot about that already in the introduction. What am I filling my mind with? Whatever controls my mind controls me. Whatever controls my mind controls me. Keep God's word as your reference point. In Luke chapter 6, I believe it is, Jesus is teaching and he tells the that if we tells us that if we hear if we hear his words and keep his word we'd be like a man who built his house on a rock and the storm came and the house stood so stay with god's word secondly believing god's word will save you the message of the bible is one of redemption for god so loved that he gave jesus came to give his life so that we through him, through faith in him, and his sacrifice might receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life. That's the message we must believe. That's our starting point. The inspired word is accurate and trustworthy. A lot of things taught in our schools today, and sadly in our churches, are not, and we need to be discerning. 
We're, we're living in a politically correct time. I don't know if you have heard of Abdu Murray. Uh, he works for, uh, he's just written a book I want to buy when I see it. I'm going to visit a bookstore soon. But he works for uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries. He did an experiment talking about political correctness. He did a little experiment. He went, I don't know what city he was on, it was in, but anyway, he, uh, he decided to, to test this out on people. So he, he stopped people on the street just, just randomly. He didn't know who they were. First, first man he stopped, he, he, uh, he stopped him and he asked him a question. He said, what would you say if I told you I was Chinese? And he's not. He's obviously, when you see a picture of him, he's obviously not Chinese. Nobody would say he's Chinese. And the man kind of shrugged, and he didn't contradict him. Uh, he just said, o- okay, if that's what you want. And so he kept walking, and Abdu kept walking, and he meets a lady on the street, and he said, uh, what would you say if I told you I was six foot six feet tall? And he's, he's obviously not a tall man. He's nowhere near six feet. And she said, if that makes you happy. And away she went. And so he kept walking, and he stopped another person on the street. And he said, what if I told you I was a woman? Fine with me. That was the answer. No, no argument. And he kept walking again, and he stopped another person. He said, what if I told you I was seven years old? And here he is, I would say, by his picture, he might be in his 50s. And he asks, what if, what if I told you I was seven years old? If that's what you want, where you go. So, Ravi Zacharias writes in his newsletter there, he knows this fellow, of course. In recent decades, secular thought has mounted an all-out attack against the notion of truth. He says that confusion trumps clarity. In our day, confusion trumps clarity. We'd rather be confused than have clarity. Isn't that sad? That's where we're at, he says. Secular thought has mounted an all-out attack against the notion of truth, and he quotes Malcolm Muggeridge where he says sarcastically, we've educated ourselves into imbecility. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, Solomon says in our Bible. Allow me to read from Ravi's letter. It's very interesting. One of the significant engagements in Italy, he says, I spoke at was a gathering of some members of parliament and key professions such as education and law. The venue was a marvelous building from medieval times with paintings on the walls and ceilings of historic worth. But the conversation around our table was like a runaway truck fleeing the road of reason. One person at our table said there was fundamentally no difference between all living things, no difference between a cockroach and a human being because the basic components of life are the same. You get that? The basic components of life are the same, so a cockroach or a person, no difference. I remained silent, says Ravi, as I was to speak on the absoluteness of the Christian message, 
but I could not dodge the conversation for too long. The heartbreaking reality of such views is not merely that they are so irrational, but that they are fondly believed. This is the slippery slope of dehumanization brought on by humanism. One of them finally asked me, what do you think? Well, the Lord has a way of saying, speak up before the stones cry out. <laughs> I like his sense of humor, too. So I asked the two, her two questions. First, I reminded her that English has 26 letters in the alphabet. Does that mean, I asked, that there is therefore no difference between any English books since the basic alphabet is the same? Second, I asked her, if you were to return home tonight and find out that a cockroach was dead or your son was dead, would it make a difference? Excuse me. Did we ever hit a conversational speed bump? This is when unreason has a painful face and the silence is deafening. Thankfully, they were good sports, for when I finished my talk that evening, my table guests were the first to stand to their feet in applause, and the same person said, I have never been on a journey of thought as I have tonight. Two of the men at our table phoned the organizer that night and asked to meet the next week to talk about their spiritual needs. God can work in strange conversations. I thought that was really neat. When, when I was preparing for this message, I went to my concordance, too, and I, I looked up words like learn and teach and taught and instruct. Those words appear in Scripture over and over and over again. And it was, it was characteristic of Jesus to teach. He taught from, from the boat. He taught on the seashore. He taught in the synagogue. He taught walking down the road. Jesus taught, and it was characteristic for him also to say, it is written. And recently, we've had the sad news of Dr. Billy Graham's death. And I, I remember him always saying, and I believe this is why his, his ministry was the success that it was, because Billy Graham was never afraid to say, the Bible says. He's, he repeated that time and time again in his messages. The Bible says. If I look at 119, and I, I told you earlier that this was in my, in my uh, old Bible that I got at age 16. And uh, they highlighted the first 22 verses there. Part of that is, uh, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to his word? But they had highlighted verses 1 to 22. And I went back to that, and it's, it's interesting in that psalm that almost every verse in that long psalm mentions God's word, either by uh, calling it commandments or judgments or statutes or whatever it is in the psalm but almost every single verse mentions God's word. God's word is the only sure guide for living. Read it and do what it says. That's ba that is the message of that psalm that was given to me then. 
Thirdly, apply God's, applying God's word will mature you. Verses 16 and 17, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We all want to be mature, don't we? We want our kids to mature. We want to be mature. We want them to act mature. We ought to, as adults, act mature. We don't always. Mature doesn't mean age, does it? Sometimes a teenager can be more mature than his mom or dad, right? It happens. Because if it, if it depended on age, I'd be well on my way, right? I'd feel good about myself, but it's not that way. Faith, Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Don't pray, someone has said, don't pray for an increase of your faith with a closed Bible. It's impossible. Don't pray for an increase of your faith with a closed Bible. Warren Wearsby puts it this way. The word of God is profitable for doctrine, that is, what is right, for reproof, that is, what is not right, for correction, how to get right, and for instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. All of us have a lot of gadgets in our homes, right? Have you ever bought something? I'm talking to the guys now. Have you ever bought something? Maybe an electronic store, a hardware store? You open it up at home and it says uh, on the top of the folded sheet that comes with this gadget, some assembly required, right? Oh, well, we don't need that. I know how this thing goes. We can get this together in no time. I don't need to read the instructions, right? We've all experienced that. Now the ladies are starting to laugh, right? You've had your husband do that. Yeah, we've watched guys trying to assemble stuff without the directions and failed. When all else fails, that's where I got my title for my message, when all else fails, read the directions. How about our lives? How's your life going today? How's your life this morning? Are you becoming frustrated about things? The pieces won't fit. Maybe you've come to the point where you feel like giving up. Have you read the directions? They're in here. We have the directions. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally. I'll read another section out of another letter of Ravi Zacharias. He's one of my favorite writers, by the way, but excuse me for this. Anyway, he writes at a, at a mayor's prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C. some years ago. A 10-year-old girl was asked to speak on behalf of the children. Her name was Ashley Oubre, I think her name was. And she delivered a memorable speech. She was 10 years old. And it brought the audience to its feet in two standing ovations. And this is what she said. Good morning, Your Honor, platform guests, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate this opportunity to speak to the leadership of the greatest city in the world on behalf of the children. I wondered what I would say to you when I was first asked if I would make a presentation. Being young limits the experience you have in most areas, but not 
as being a child. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom. When I think about my friends, who are all young people like myself, many things come to mind. If you would like to be a child in God's kingdom, I will share some of what we think about and what we do. Children play together. They have lots of fun, sometimes fight, but the next day we make up and we play again. Wouldn't it be wonderful if mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, neighbors, and our leaders would be more that way? It hurts us when we see you fighting and not making up. When you tell us something, we believe it, and we don't ask many questions. We have faith and trust until we grow up and find it's really not that way with adults. I think you tell us Bible stories because we are children. The Bible stories do us a lot of good, but you don't tell each other Bible stories. Are they only good for children? You teach us that when we have a problem, we should talk it out with others and with Jesus. You say that we should pray about it and keep our hearts right for Jesus. You say that Jesus can solve all our problems, both big and small. But we notice when people get older and have problems, they are embarrassed to talk like that among themselves. We wonder if you really mean it, or is Jesus only for kids? I am still young enough to believe that Jesus knows how to solve my problems, the problems of the city and of the world. I hope I never grow old enough to stop believing and that you all become children in search of God's kingdom. Thank you very much for listening to me. God bless you all. I thought that was great from a 10-year-old girl. We could learn a lot there. Number four, living out God's word will equip you to serve. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be adequate. Some translations have perfect or mature or complete. Equipped for every good work. Living out God's word will equip you to serve. Let's turn our learning into living. Let this word control our lives. Live, live by its principles. The better we know the word of God, the better we will be able to live, the better we will be able to serve. We do not study the Bible just to gain more facts. We study it to apply what we learn. Truth believed and acted on produces positive results. It's not what you know that makes the difference, but it's what you do with what you know that makes the difference. Number five, share God's word at every opportunity. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Share God's word at every opportunity. Why? Because Jesus is coming. 
Christ's coming again should encourage us to live our lives carefully, to do our work faithfully, and to spread the good news at every opportunity in spite of, as the Bible says, in spite of difficulties, in spite of resistance. And secondly, always be ready to share God's word. Why? Because apostasy is coming. Verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate to themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Share the word because Jesus is coming and share the words because the word because apostasy is coming. Extreme ideas tend to be founded on partial truths. And in many places in our world, and even in our churches, sad to say, people don't want the healthy, life-changing doctrine of the Word of God. Many cases, they are given what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. Charles Dickens wrote, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, and that's where we are today, isn't it? Describes our society perfectly. Paul is telling Timothy and us, in spite of the problems, the oppositions that face you, preach, spread the good news. The word of God is living and powerful, and it will nourish and refresh us It will make us fruitful. It will make us effective. And so my prayer is that we might be better students of this life-changing word. Read the directions. Let's pray. Would you bow with me? Thank you, Father, that you are an unchanging God and that your word is the unchanging word. We realize we are privileged people. We have so many opportunities to hear and to study your word. Increase our desire to know your word and give us wisdom to apply what you teach us to the decisions and the situations that we will face today and in the days to come. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.